The Incomparable Podcast, number 57, September 2011. We're back on The Incomparable. I'm Jason Snell, your host, and we are talking today about this summer's superhero motion pictures. So, comic book superheroes brought to the big screen. There are a crop of them every year. We had four really, I, I think, proper comic book superhero movies this summer. And joining me today to talk about them are Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Monty Ashley. Monty, thanks for joining us again. Glad to. And joining me for the first time, but not the podcast, Tony Sindelar. Tony, welcome. Hi, Hi I'm Jason. Hi. Hi, Jason. Nice to meet you. Nice to sort of, you know, Skype meet you. Nice to be on a podcast with you. Previous previous podcasts, you appear only when Dan hosts. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> I hereby I... resign as the host. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so let's uh let's start with oh I'll say the X Men. There was an X Men movie that was not a sequel to those three three. Were there three? There were three. Three. Well, three. do you count the do you count the Wolverine one? I do. Yeah, three four. Three and a half. <laughs> Wow, uh, the the third one is the third one the one with the Golden Gate Bridge that's really the, terrible. The, the third yes. one is better known I, as the yeah the one that the one directed by Brett Ratner, where everybody dies and it's really bad. I can tell you that I watched the three right after seeing X Men First Class, and that was a mistake. <laughs> so I watched all three of them that week, or four of them the week after that came out because I, because X Men First Class was so great that I was like I'm going to go out and consume all the other X Men movies. Yeah, so. none of there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's see. The first one was kind of disappointing. The second one I thought was better, but the, not great. And the third one was horrible. See, I'd say the first one. The first one was my favorite of the three. And I noticed that you didn't say anything about Wolverine. <laughs> I, did, I did not see Wolverine. I was too frightened to see. I saw it in theaters and then saw it again on DVD. So I. <laughs> How did you not remember I, after the first time? I mean, I knew what I was getting into, but it just reflects poor judgment, basically. So, So you were driven to these other perhaps lesser movies because you liked X-Men first class. So tell, tell us about it. Tell why, why'd you like X-Men first class? I really enjoyed X-Men first class. I think it was just a really interesting take on the superhero movie. I think setting it not in the present day was interesting. I think so much of superhero movies is like, we're going to tell Spider-Man as it is, you know, set in the exact era that we were actually making the film. So setting it in the sixties was interesting. I think, it may be that the X-Men characters themselves are some of the more interesting superheroes. So that was kind of made it more interesting. Um, it was also, they, they had a lot of characters that I have not already seen their origin stories rehashed. So there was content that was, that was new. Um, I find with the X-Men movies, there's so many characters that they want to put, put in there that I inevitably end up spending after seeing one of the movies, a good four or five hours reading the Wikipedia articles about all of the different characters and different continuities. Um, but I really enjoyed the X, the X Men First Class movie compared to some of the other superhero movies this summer. All right, uh, Dan Moore, and you've seen every superhero movie ever released. I <laughs> praise indeed. Ever half of that, half of them with Tony though. This would be fair. That's true. What did you think about um, First Class? I thought I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think it was bolstered by a number of things, including an excellent cast. Um, they really did a great job of picking people who, and, and like Tony said, it was, a, it was an unfamiliar take on a lot of these characters for many of us, um, you know, because we were so used to seeing, you know, uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen chew the scenery mm-hmm. with each other, um, who are, who are great actors, but at the same time, it's a very different feeling that we get from watching these two, you know, veterans sort of duke it out when there's all this history that's like implicit, but not necessarily spelled out. This one, so, it's got Charles Xavier can walk and has hair. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, I love seeing the parts of him that are the flawed because you see so much of him in the in the in the later slash earlier movies um, where he's kind of considered to a certain degree sort of infallible and like not all powerful quite, but like really, really powerful. And in this movie, he's still sort of getting to come into grips with his powers. He's also this really like human character. I love the <laughs> scenes with him trying to pick up the girls in the bar when he's drunk. Um about like commenting about how their eyes are like mutations or whatever. And I, I mean, it, it was funny. And part of that, you know, a lot of that credit goes to James McAvoy, who did a great job, you know, bringing that character to sort of a relatable realm. I also thought, you know, arguably Magneto, uh, Michael Fassbender's performance made him, he was a really interesting character. He's really complex. And I think he did a good job of showing us that this was a guy who might eventually become a villain, but you, you much, you get a better idea where he's coming from. And it's not just about revenge. 
um, which I think is sort of how it gets simplified in some of the late, the other movies. It's like, oh, he's just, you know, he was, he had some really terrible things done to him and sort of he, it's, it's biased him. But you see an attempt with him to try and do the right thing um, that doesn't quite pan out. And he comes across as a much more three-dimensional character to me because he has this, this relationship um, and you see how it goes bad. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that central dynamic especially really sold the film for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a perfect film. Um, I might draw out January Jones's abysmal acting <laughs> performance in an otherwise really good movie. Um, but, you know, overall, I would definitely put it uh, up there as I think eh, either my top or my number two. A close number two. Out of these four? Out of these Or four. out of every movie you've ever seen ever? Ever, ever, <laughs> ever. Right, right Empire next Strikes to Empire Strikes Back. Strikes Back. Yeah. Movie Excellent. starting with X. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of the... I mean, and, you know, actually, as that, coming out of that joke, something I was going to say was, you know, a lot of this was patterned on because of when the X-Men was originally written, you know, sort of a Malcolm X, Martin Luther King dynamic of the peaceful nonviolence versus the, like, you know, ex- kind of more violent, like, you know, resistance... Um, and I think you get that vibe. Like, there's a really interesting sort of civil rights angle, and setting it in the '60s obviously has great resonance with that. I think there is for a while, but then at the end of the movie, it kind of breaks down. They have that scene where everybody just stands around on a beach and says, "Well, we're going to be good, and you guys are going to be bad from now on." Everybody pick sides. Hooray! Let's fight. <laughs> they couldn't resist turning it into a you know an action movie. Really, yeah. at the end there. Monty, did you like it? I did like it, um, although I don't re- remember much about it, which so I couldn't have huh. liked it that much. Movie amnesia, it happens. I remember thinking that the bug girl was not a very good stripper. <laughs> <laughs> Important details. Well, she revealed her wings by turning her back to a room full of people who presumably didn't know she was a mutant. And then hovering three feet off the floor. Weren't those windows tinted or something? I mean, it was like a private room. I don't think so. We could see the audience clearly through the windows. Also, if you haven't seen, there's a deleted scene online or extended version of that scene where in order to demonstrate what he does, um, Charles makes her see uh, Magneto in a in a dress, in drag, basically, um, which is amusing just for seeing Michael Fassbender in drag. That sounds like a uh, crazy movie. I, I didn't see it, it was so out. this is fascinating to hear this this movie. It, it was, Jason, it was quite good. I, w- I would recommend it, certainly. I mean, <laughs> it was, of, is it freed from some of the... I mean, one of the things I felt about, um, and I think Monty alluded to this, the, the problem I had with those three X-Men movies was they had, whatever, 30, 40 years of characters, and they kind of all just jammed them all together and said, they're all going to school at the same time. And and so there are some characters who you you barely glimpse, like Ellen Page is Kitty Pride, but she's basically, like, not in it. And so so in this movie, was were they freed from the continuity and sort of able to pick and choose and just make stuff yeah. up and have it be a, a little movie? Bit, there's, there's still a lot of kind of like winking and like, you know, every minor background thing is a reference to something. But when they go around looking to hire every mutant in the world, but they it, run it across. A, yeah. They run across Wolverine, who's already an adult and hanging out in a bar. Yes, yeah. but the best cameo possibly ever in a movie because he gets one line, <laughs> and it's a, and it's a, it's the only it's the only f bomb in the entire movie. <laughs> well, if you're gonna have a uh, an f bomb, your it one f bomb, have Wolverine say it. You know, someone someone commented on before I saw it, like, oh, you know, this movie's great just for like the best cameo of all time, and I didn't. It didn't. I didn't see it coming. It did, I didn't get spoiled. So when I saw it, you know, definitely in our theater, anyways, lots of people were cracking up at that. But they do pick and choose a bit in terms of, like, if you are actually familiar with the original continuity of the X-Men, it's not the original group of the X-Men. You know, they sort of borrow. Right, because right, they kind of stole there. that. You know, they moved that stuff forward and, and, and compressed it all and mixed it around in the X-Men movies. So it's not like Angel, Beast, Marvel You do girl, have Beast. You have Beast, Cyclops. but you don't have, you don't have, you have sight. You have, in a weird move, you have Cyclops' brother, although that's never alluded to. Yeah, um, which is I thought odd as someone who yeah Havoc's in it, but the and he's named Alex Summers, but like you never uh-huh. they never make any reference that he has a brother or anything, which is odd. And then you get a couple other random ones. I'm familiar with the X Men up to about 1990, and I didn't recognize half of the mutants in here, which I liked because that means they don't come in with a lot of extra baggage. I really liked the first X Men movie, but it took me a while to get through the fact that 
although she's called Rogue, she's not Rogue. She's effectively Kitty Pride's storyline. Right. In that situation, the comic book knowledge kind of gotten my way of enjoying the movie. Yep, but here, there are people I've never heard of, so hey, what the heck. And then I don't know which one's going to die suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> which is always the trouble with comic book movies. Oh, that's a good, that's a feature. <laughs> Not a bug. Not a bug. Any other thoughts about X-Men First Class? Um, I can't wait to see X-Men Second Class. <laughs> business that's, Class. Business Class X-Men. Don't they have to make it better each time? I am a little confused what they do with the ongoing like X-Men continuity because it already doesn't jive with even, you know, the X-Men Wolverine movie that came out not too long ago. And so they're making a they're making a Wolverine sequel too. Yes. The so, Wolverine. Yeah. Which was originally uh, spo- I and one of the most bizarre movies ever was originally supposed to be directed by Darren Aronofsky. Who I think has <laughs> since stepped down, but I couldn't uh, when I read that, I read that story like four times like really? <laughs> but I think Here's he my, decided, yeah, I think he came to his senses. Here's my pitch. The Fast and the Wolverine and the Furious. He did direct <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Jackman, so I think that was the connection, is that he directed him in The, uh, in the Fountain, right? Yeah, yeah. So. The, and, and Darren Aronofsky directing Hugh Jackman in The Fountain and Wolverine. And Wolverine. <laughs> makes perfect yeah. sense. I, I have a bad feeling about that movie because it's, it seems to be taking the storyline that drove me away from the character of Wolverine and helped drive me away from the X-Men, which is, hey, Wolverine's cool. Let's have him go to Japan and fight various sort of samurai ninja people for months. Yeah, that'll that'll be great. You didn't like the Wolverine and Kitty Pride graphic novel? That was a classic. Well, anything with Kitty Pride, I will I will be there. But um the the whole like he gets he's got his girlfriend or he marries her or whatever but she's in too deep with the with the uh the mobsters in Japan and it just oh uh i uh, boy i hated that and that's apparently what this movie noir i would watch that that sounds awesome and then he stabs a thousand ninjas hooray with his yeah yeah, with his claw thing ninjas you can't get rid of them they're like rats like cockroaches yeah all right apologies to any ninjas who are listening (laughs) oh yeah good point (laughs) our topic today is ninjas (laughs) <laughs> All right, we will move on then to movie number two in our uh, sweeping, detailed, eh, maybe, uh, <laughs> look at, at the superhero movies from this summer. Um, how about Thor? Let's talk about how Thor. About Thor? I have about, opinions Thor? on Thor. All right, oh, Monty, share your opinions on Thor, please. I watched it with an open mind, and I still think it's really, really stupid that they made them aliens. I mean, but, is it? How would you even? I mean, it's like an Arthur C. Clarke thing, really. How do you tell the difference between aliens and like super powerful beings, like who are gods, basically? Well, these aliens have wormholes and spaceships and telescopes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like, they just pretend they're magic. I would have liked to, but they kept putting planets into the storyline. It's like in Highlander <laughs> Two. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> which I don't think is a good thing to say about any movie. They couldn't just say. This is a god, so, okay, this is an alien. But then they have characters on Earth looking through books of Norse mythology. And you'd think at some point Thor would pick up that book and say, Have you seen what it says here about my brother? Loki's the god of lies. Oh my god, what's going to happen to me when I fight this worm? So so is that what it comes down to? Is it the alien? I mean, not as bad as the... uh... So here, uh, this is a loaded question, which is that there was a whole campaign out there that was really upset that they made um, Heimdall black. When you say campaign, you mean... Like crazy white supremacists. Yeah. (laughs) On the internet. internet. Surprise of all places. I didn't mind Heimdall being black. I minded Idris Elba having to put on all that costume and then stand there so you could only see two inches of his eyes and a huge effect on his voice, so there's no point in him even showing up. Yeah, but he was still awesome. He was. He did a great job of standing there. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do as well. So, well, obviously the answer here is that he's black because they're aliens and not from uh, Scandinavia, right? I mean, there are gods. Who cares what color they are? Yeah. <laughs> like, Hogan the Grim was in this, and he was an Asian gentleman of some variety, and I didn't see anybody complaining about that. <laughs> Very, You're not going very, to the right chat rooms, obviously. Yeah, limited. Right <laughs> yeah. the okay. Um, Other thoughts about Thor, Dan? I I actually enjoyed Thor. Um, uh, I was not bothered. I, having never been a a Thor reader, um, I don't. I really know very little of the mythology behind Thor. I mean, 
I know some of the mythology mythology behind Thor, but um, uh, yes, not the comic book kind. No, I mean I thought they did a good job with. Um, there were a lot of things that I thought they 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 could have been done uh, a lot poorer. Like I, you know, they played him as very much like a fish out of water, water character, which I think could have easily been overdone. But instead, they just give it kind of a he he kind of doesn't care. Like I love that he just walks around like he owns the place. And there's you know there's a scene where they're in a in a diner or something, and you know he drinks a cup of coffee. And then when he's done with it, he smashes the coffee cup on the floor and goes, more coffee or something. You know, like he played – I thought that Chris Hemsworth did a good job of sort of playing that character to the hilt um, and making him very, you know, arrogant and kind of in need of that comeuppance that he that he gets towards the end. Um, and I think they, they played a couple good moments for, for comedy. He, he repeatedly gets hit by a car, which is actually amusing. Um, and, of course, Natalie Portman's in it, and I refuse to say anything bad about it. <laughs> I still don't think Thor's going to be a very good king once he gets to be king. Well, and and the other issue with this is that much like Captain America, which we'll discuss in a moment, um, they end very similarly, don't they? <laughs> in the sense of not really ending. <laughs> oh, they're both Avengers setups. Yes, yeah. they are both very clearly like, oh, well, I lost that girl I really liked. The end. <laughs> <laughs> As they stare longingly through some place where they're stuck. You know, like, that they didn't want to be. Hmm. I guess um, there's no time for a romantic subplot in the next movie, but with all these other movies <laughs> crammed into it, too. Yeah, probably not. But don't worry, there will be Thor 2. And and also, may I say my favorite random thing about Thor, which was the being directed by Kenneth Branagh. Because the first time I heard that, that's like Darren Aronofsky directing Wolverine. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like Darren Aronofsky directing Wolverine 2. <laughs> it's, it's Kenneth Branagh. The man does Shakespeare. It's, it's a little different. Thor. It is a little strange. Of all, and, and I would they, never have guessed. And a couple of they, that movie had its own good cameo. Uh, Jeremy Renner appears briefly as Hawkeye. As Hawkeye, huh? mm-hmm. um, and I really uh, one of my favorite sort of random characters who I don't think is actually a comic continuity character in any way is uh, Clark Gregg's Shield agent, um, who I just really enjoy. Colson, right? Like they keep sending yeah. him around to do crazy things, and he gets he gets a much bigger role in this movie than any of the ones to date. He's not just like the uh, the henchman. Mm-hmm. Um and I really I enjoyed or, him or Hammer Finder and Iron Man two I think his entire yes. job what? is to go hey found a hammer right and so they sort of expand upon that here and you know, he's actually like in charge of this whole shield installation all right Tony what did you think of Thor I guess I was I was a little disappointed with Thor I, I mean I was not familiar with the source material ahead of time but it I don't know it just all felt like kind of a chore in setting up for Avengers. Um, which some people might say is the same about Captain America, but I enjoyed that a lot more than this. I, I don't know. I just, I felt like it was, it was, there were a lot of sections that were really boring. There was a lot of just CGI fight scenes with them fighting, um, you know, frost giants for forever that I don't know, felt tedious. Um, I guess there were just, there were all these characters in it that were not very interesting <laughs> um, or we didn't get to spend enough time with them to find out what about them might be interesting. I mean, Thor has his kind of his, his three friends, the, th- uh, the warriors three, but we don't really get to find out too much about them. Um, so that it kind of felt like they're in here because they're part of the, the Thor continuity. So we need to maintain them as being here, but you're not going to actually find out much about them in this movie. And maybe you won't even see them again in Avengers because there's going to be a million other characters in Avengers to worry about. So I don't know. I, I wasn't as impressed with this one as, as some of the, uh, as, as, as with X-Men first class or other movies that summer. Well, is Thor himself a compelling character i mean he's got he's got the marvel thing in that he's sort of uh, you know he's outcast and all of that but he's he's a god he's got all these powers and i i don't believe they did the full-on kind of thor story where he's like a guy who thinks he's a uh, like a doctor with a bad leg and only you know the thor they, and the, they didn't do that thor no, in the no. comic is like the hulk and that he's sort of like a guy who just discovers that he can transform into a god and in the movie he's just like chris helmsworth right and he's like hey i'm cool i'm thor the god of thunder the whole time is right oh well although he gets he gets sort of robbed of his power his you know anthony hopkins takes his powers away yeah and so, so then he's still he's, he's still kind of badass compared to your average I mean, he's still person. like a giant giant guy yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but he's still he's not not as not as badass as he is when he's like got his hammers and, and so his does that character work or is he just too awesome and perfect to to be believable as kind of a character you can uh yeah, i basically to? felt like he was like superman without there being any clark kent right right so well he's just he's just awesome all the time and yeah. that's that's kind of boring Shortly. Especially since he's like he's awesome and doesn't you know doesn't know how to cross the street. Um. <laughs> Shortly before I saw Thor, I read about ten years worth of the Avengers on my iPad, 
And Thor is a super, super boring character. Yeah. <laughs> like, originally, like you say, he's he's got an alternate identity as a crippled doctor. And if he's ever away from his hammer for more than 30 seconds, he reverts. But unlike Superman, he never goes back to that character. At least in the Avengers, they don't have a lot of time for that. So it's always, and here comes Thor to beat something up, say something flowery, and fly off again. Yes. No, he's not. He's not that interesting. I mean, in the Thor comic, he can be more interesting. But I, I agree with you. I, the most memorable issue or run of Thor that I, that certainly that I can recall, is the one where somebody else, where an alien, an actual alien, gets the hammer, which is Beta Ray Bill in the Walt Simonson run, where an alien ends up being worthy of the powers of Thor, and you've got this guy who isn't Thor. And who's like a space alien who who gets the hammer and starts to do stuff with it. And it's sort of like, hey, I've got an awesome idea of how we can improve Thor. No Thor. I see the way you say about Thor. And again, I didn't read as much Thor, but that's kind of the way I feel about the Hulk, which is like he's I, and the reason that the previous Hulk movie have, haven't done very little for me was that, you know, the Hulk himself as a character is extremely uninteresting yeah. which is to say he can't talk well but at least <laughs> all he knows how to do is smash things at least there you've got you've got bruce banner who who's really kind of tormented and you know you can do some things with that maybe but you're right it is a, it is a problematic character but i always thought that thor was even more problematic yeah see i i, I think i enjoyed this this uh this version of thor more than that just because he is in that way, he's kind of unlike a lot of the other superheroes. I mean, who have that, like, oh, God, I've got to balance these two identities or whatever. Right. I kind of enjoyed the fact that he's just, like, he's straightforward. Thor. He's like, you know what? I'm Thor. <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> he was a big, cheerful lummox, which is a nice change, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's not your... I mean, and I think, you know, there's something entertaining about watching him just sort of go through the motions of being like, I'm just this... This is who I am. I'm a god. I'm used to being a god. There's not really a lot of identity questioning in that, and you know in that that's different from like uh, there's it feels like a lot of the other superheroes have so much angst it's like i re i can really do right. without all that like oh god uh maybe i don't want these powers so oh, i have to fight evil man that really sucks i just want to be a teenager and do my homework the only yeah. thing i liked about the fantastic four movie was that chris evans seemed cheerful about having superpowers right. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. i I can fly and burn things. Yay! No, I, I, I'm with you there. And that was, those were both really bad movies. But uh, I agree with you about Chris Evans, and we'll get to him in a minute. But um, one question I have for you guys, since you saw it and I didn't, is um, on a previous podcast, I talked about a TV show that I really liked called Cupid with Jeremy Piven. And he's, he's a god who's cast out to Earth. And he keeps saying, oh, I'm Cupid. I'm the god of love. And they all say, oh, you're a crazy person. So is there any of that in this movie where oh, Thor yes. is like, hey, oh, yeah. Norse that's god like, here? And they're like, That's yeah, like the middle hour of the movie. There is, a, there is a whole lot of him claiming to be Thor and people basically assuming that he's a mental patient. All right. Yeah, and yet befriending him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a very friendly like and, like, a friendly and good looking I'm, mental I'm patient. just saying like if a big giant guy, like you find him in the desert and like he seems disoriented and like out of touch with reality, I'm not going to bring him home. I that's, mean, they hit him with a car first, like, you know. They felt this is it's like drowning a witch. He gets hit with a lot of cars. He does. It's, I don't know. I did the pratfalls just did it for me. I think he's so big he has a gravity field. <laughs> it's ah, just the power yeah, of the gods or aliens or yeah. Although I will agree that the nobody seeing through Loki was pretty pathetic. <laughs> Hello, Loki. Gotta lies. That was all Odin's fault, by the way. He explicitly is the guy's the worst father ever in this movie. He takes his two sons and says. Thor, you're real king material. You're going to be king of where you're going to be king of Asgard. It's a at planet some point. or a dimension or right. something. Anyway, and you, Loki, you're a terrible disappointment. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn my back. Also, now. you're adopted. <laughs> Don't forget that angle. <laughs> Let me show you this room where we keep all the things that you could use against me. <laughs> yeah, that was not his best strategic decision. Anthony Hopkins, what were you thinking? Uh, he he got to get paid. <laughs> okay, let's move on. And since I know everybody is dying to talk about Green Lantern, <laughs> let's talk about Green Lantern. Who did anybody here, Jason? Did anybody see it? Dan, you oh, yeah. saw it. I saw, Tony, it. Tony, and I, Tony and I both saw it. Do you see it together? Um, yes. Oh, it's always good to have a buddy. It is because it I makes wouldn't have gotten to see that movie. by myself. 
Uh, okay, so um, tell me about Green Lantern. Green Lantern, you know, is it as bad as they say, Dan? I, you know, I, I will say it's not a good movie. Let's let's start with what we can agree on. It's it's green. It's there's there's a lan there is a lantern. Yep. Um, you know, do it lighting things up. Is it bright? <laughs> um, how many lumens? Would say that in brightest day and in blackest night. Um, no, I I I will say that it's definitely not a good movie. However, that said, it is not an awful movie. I've seen considerably worse movies than this. And anybody who says that this is a terrible movie has clearly never seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation, is all I'm saying. Or or Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, really? it's mediocre, and in that sense, maybe disappointing in its mediocreness. Um, I think mediocrity is the word you're looking for there, but okay. In me, me, mediocrity? No, um, that's a different thing. Um, I, I will say that one thing that I did kind of like about this movie is that they um, they did spend a lot of time off of Earth, um, and in that way, I guess it's somewhat similar to um, to Thor. But uh, it, it was kind of cool to see the entirety, like the Green Lantern Corps, and basically you know tons of different random looking aliens, and they did you know pull out a lot of the stops there. I mean, granted, yes, it's all CGI, whatever, but it was kind of interesting to see that spin on a, on a, on a superhero who's decidedly more galactic in his point of view than just like, Oh, it's earth, man, earth's in trouble again. Better save earth. Um, although that they do sort of fall back into that trap. Um, but you know, there's, there's some good stuff in there. Although I, I know Tony will, will want to talk about his, uh, his favorite scene from the movie, which is where, uh, Hal Jordan beats up a bunch of guys who he's already caused <laughs> to lose their jobs. <laughs> wow. What a jerk. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit I, of a jerk. I didn't I did not understand that scene. So <laughs> he he's a he's a test pilot and a kind of a questionable one because he crashes an airplane and so like the project gets canceled and so like all of the friends from the the you know the the aircraft company or not his are, are become his not friends and like beat him up outside a bar which it's kind of unclear why they're hanging out outside the bar so they just jump him and he uses his green lantern powers to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> I mean, actually, so now they, have, now they have no jobs and they're beaten up. <laughs> Al Jordan, ladies and gentlemen, the Green Lantern. Wow. Also, that he does. I do appreciate that there was, like, despite the fact that, um, you know, so the love interest here, um, Blake Lively, is, uh, you know, they've known each other since they were kids. I do appreciate at least that, that, that his sort of mask doesn't really hold up past about 30 seconds when she actually, like, meets him face to face. Um, because that's one of those things, right? With yeah. all superheroes, you're like Clark Kent. He's got glasses. Great, whatever. Um, like you can't tell the difference. I kind of wish comic book movies would just do those straight or not do them though. Like, why give him the mask and then make fun of it? Can't you just be a sincere well, movie for once? It's not that they make fun of it so much as like it's a you know it's a mask and she she recognizes him because she knows him. <laughs> um. And they, they do reference the mask just being, like, only for cases where the identity needs to be protected. Because, um, like, he doesn't wear it at all. None of them wear it when they're off planet, right? Like, it doesn't right. matter. Um, so I thought they did a decent job with that. I thought they did a decent job with the alien stuff. The plot is, you know, fairly forgettable as far as I... By the know, way, if you're concerned. ever introduced to a guy whose name is Sinestro... Yeah. <laughs> Who would have think that guy could go bad? Might I mean, not be a good be fair, guy. He's he's okay in the movie. Yeah, oh, well until the end. Until, until the, the end. After, they, the they're setting credits. up for the Green Lantern 2 movie that may never yeah. get made. Yeah, yeah, his twin brother Genuino um, <laughs> gets no love. <laughs> so let's move on. Enough of this Green Lantern craziness. Let's move on to Captain America. Has everybody seen Captain America? Yes. Yeah. All right. Captain I, Canada. Way better. And I, Dan, did I also see Captain America with you? Wow. Yes, you did. Buddy says <laughs> three out of four of these together. Buddy says them in oh. action. It's good to see. It's safe. It's safe that way. I thought this was great. What did you guys think? I really liked Captain America. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah. I gave it a big I, thumbs up. I enjoyed it. It's so um, Rocketeer director uh, Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston. Gotta yeah, love it. And I know you love the Rocketeer. So. It, I, one of the things I loved about it was its period, you know, just the whole committing to the whole period thing that it, it it's the colors are very um, retro and they're kind of faded a little bit. And, you know, obviously it's styled as a World War Two thing. And but even in the tone, it's a it's a it's a World War Two movie. There's some stuff in it that's kind of corny. 
And yet at the same time, I'm like, well, of course it's corny. It's a it's a World War II movie. It's fine that it's corny because it's from a, a different period. And, you know, I just loved seeing something that felt different because it was set in this different period and it and 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 they could do some stuff that you don't normally see in a in a comic book superhero movie. Well, that whole like the whole thing with the USO, for example, I thought was great. Like you know where they have them doing this selling the war bonds, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it made sense, right? Because despite the fact that you do have this guy who's kind of like proven to be this you know superhero, or whatever, is like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not. He's not trained. No, they um, don't train him. They whisk him away and immediately use him as a propaganda. Yeah, propaganda. Tool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree that the period stuff, and it, it's interesting that both of the two, um, you know, the most successful superheroes of the year, movies of the year are period right. movies as well. I thought it was really interesting. And, and Captain America, it's hard to do Captain America today, right? You know? Oh, yeah. It means it something work. very different. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, I think there's some potentially really interesting stuff in bringing him from the 40, like the 1940s version of Steve Rogers into the modern day. Right. Like there's some really interesting culture class there. And of course, with, what with all the stuff that the crazy stuff that Marvel has done in the last few years with its comic book line, you know, <laughs> um, it's, th- there's a lot of potential for telling an interesting story about this guy who's used to this. Hey, I'm from this area of raw, raw patriotism. And now I'm in the modern day where things really aren't so black and white. Um, but I agree. I thought that the they did a fantastic job of capturing the era and remaining um, extremely authentic. And honestly, I got to come down to, I really find Chris Evans likable. He's just, he's really, something about that, you know, I mean, as an actor, I find him just really, uh, you know, fun. He was not only my favorite part of Fantastic Four, he was my favorite part of the movie The Losers, which is yeah, mostly he's, terrible. Yes. Well, he's, He's the best character in that. In that, having read the comic books, dude, like he was also definitely the best actor in that movie. Who <laughs> yeah. are Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Who's like you can't afford George Clooney. <laughs> Monty, what did you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. I re- I'm a sucker for any movie with an old timey World's Fair in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a. Is that a lot of movies? Well. So far, no, but presumably if my tastes get out, Hollywood will start pandering to me. It's an emerging genre. Um, I One thing I liked a lot was that they justified him running around in the actual Captain America costume. And it didn't really feel like pandering. Like, they actually recreated the first Captain America cover where he socks Hitler on the jaw. Right. Yeah. That's but, an awesome Without him actually punching Hitler, because apparently we can't have him actually fighting Nazis. We, that was, there was a disappointing Nazis. lack of Nazis. Yeah, well, no, so this, this is an interesting decision they made, is they made it about Hydra, which is like, oh, you know, the Nazis are bad, and the real war is happening. And, and, and I liked well, that, that, they, that he meets with the real GIs who are fighting the real war, because you could, you could almost belittle World War II if you said, well... Captain America took care of everything. So instead they've got the the real war happening and then they've sort of superimposed this other war, which is Hydra against this special part of the U.S. government. According to the internet, they were going to have two cameos that didn't make the movie. One was Magneto in a prison camp that Captain America frees. And one was Wolverine just out there fighting (laughs) as a soldier. Huh. That would have been... Interesting. Well, it is funny that there's a, a striking absence of actual Nazis in a movie that's all about World War II. <laughs> they have Nazis in the X-Men movie. It's like they're worse they than Nazis. The, the Hydra is even worse than... They're, they're uber-Nazis. You know, so that they're, was a little yeah. bit strange. But, uh, you know, I like the scene with the GI where he finally decides... They basically, they don't like his shtick. His shtick works back home, yeah. but he comes to entertain the troops, and they're, they're not interested. They want to see the girls, because they think he's just a pretty boy, which he he is, really. He's just a guy in a costume who's not actually fighting. And and that was great, because it gave it some of that realism of, like, you know, the war, though as we know it, is happening, and now we're going to go back, he's going to go back off and find Hugo Weaving in his... In his That's it. I, I really, mask. I really like that they, you know, Steve Rogers as a character, right? Like he could very easily be bland and be the all-American guy, um, but I like that he's, you know, he's very clearly this. I mean, if you want to call him naive or idealistic, sure. Um, and he very much is like, oh, I want to fight because I want to do my my part. Um, it's bullies, right? I mean, that's the right, whole part right. of him getting beaten up and why Stanley Tucci chooses him, which I I liked. You know that he is like he's. 
and I love that. I actually really like that line, which is the, you know, the weak man knowing the value of strength. Like it's kind of the, you know, with great power comes great responsibility yeah. angle. But I, I like that. And I like Stanley Tucci a lot. He's great in, in that. Absolutely. You know, in his sort of bit role. I thought there, he but... was Gene Wilder for half the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems unlikely. Um, well, once the Oompa Loompas have him go yeah. into the metal Although tube. I have to say that my my favorite scene, my favorite little throwaway scene in the beginning of that is that when, when he chases the Nazi guy the or the hydra agent down oh where he's running um, down the street and, and the, the, the guy takes the kid and throws the kid in the water and the kid goes i, yeah, can, swim. I can swim yeah <laughs> that did make me crack up i really like that they spent so much time with steve rogers establishing him as a character before making him captain america because it's so yes. easy with the captain america origin to say he's the perfect soldier because he's huge and muscular and blonde but they actually yeah. went uh, out of their way to give it a That sounds surprisingly traits. Nazi when that's you put hard. it that way. <laughs> like someone else. Well, no, that's, that's I think, one of the great um, tricks in the, in the creation of that character in the 40s was having him be um, not somebody who was always the golden boy, but actually appreciated being the underdog and, uh, you know, a clever way to have a blonde, super strong character who still you know, represents something, something different. And, and yeah, that was also kind of amazing what they did with the effects to make Chris, Chris Evans actually look like a scrawny short guy from, you know, from Brooklyn. There's a couple shots where it looks not right, but, but for the yeah. most part, it works great. Yeah. Most of the part, I, I looked beyond it. When his face was at about three quarters angle, sometimes it didn't quite line up right, which yeah. might've been because I was staring at his face the whole time thinking, how'd they do that? How'd, how'd do they that? do that? Oh, his chin is wrong. Got him. No, they were, they were really bold with it. I mean, I think that's the thing yeah. that worked is yeah. that they didn't just like have it in one scene and then he puts on his shirt and he's tall and muscular, <laughs> but let's not speak of it. Yeah. And it looks really, I mean, you know, it, it looks very convincing, you know, as the effects go, I think. Um, and they get some, you know, we do get some time with some of the secondary characters. Although I was a little disappointed, I would have liked a little more time with some of the the, the Howling Commandos, who I think are are kind of fun. Um, and, but we get very brief amounts with them, except we're with with poor Bucky. Do you All think right. that's Nick Fury's father with the new lineup? I think it's got to be right because it was originally Nick Fury. Yeah, but right. there's no way that's the same Nick Fury as we have now. Probably or not. Or is it? <gasps> Well, dun, dun, dun. yeah, no, it's not. Anyway, <laughs> settled. <laughs> settled. Oh. All right then. <laughs> no speculation needed. No. Uh, the what? What do you think about um, how they handled Bucky? I thought that was an interesting way to try and and tell the Bucky story without. Obviously, it doesn't happen the way it happens in the uh, in the comics, where it's sort of Bucky dies and Captain America gets frozen. Instead, they sort of split those up, but. Um, you know, I knew it was coming because you know Bucky's not gonna, Bucky's not gonna make it, kids. So, um, you know, but but what did you think about how they handled the old old Bucky? I mean, there is a, I mean, there is a shock value to it still, like in that in that brief moment, right when he when he falls, and you're like, oh my god, like oh okay, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. But like, you know, I I, I don't know, I, I it's the his best exact buddy. moment of it. Yeah, I mean, there there's something to it. It was more realistic. I like their relationship because it was more realistic than in the comic book. Where he's the kid's sidekick. Bucky discovers that Captain America is Steve Rogers because he goes into his tent while he's changing. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve says, whoops, you got me, kid. Hey, you want to go help me fight Nazis in an incredibly dangerous Mm. fashion? Sure. You've shown that you're capable of wandering into a tent. (laughs) So no, this was instead. It's his buddy who who is his buddy, but is actually capable of fighting, and that that was a nice thing. And then he meets him again, and so now he's, uh, you know, now he's Captain America. And uh, but you're right, that was that happened awfully fast. Where suddenly they're like part of a crack team with the Howling Commandos, and they're going on a mission. That was that was a real quick turnaround. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you can do in a movie that's already you know got a lot packed into yeah. it. Um, and they, I mean, they, they got some, some, you know, not like super well-known actors, but there are some notable actors among the commandos, including Neil McDonough as, yeah. uh, as a uh, dumb, dumb Dugan and, uh, a couple of the other guys too in there. But, um, you know, and there's only so much time you can spend in the, on them on a, in a movie that's about Captain America. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, the- I like to see, I want to see all the 80 year old versions of them in Avengers. <laughs> well, the Howling Commandos movie. Well, right. That, that'll be, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. I would, I would totally watch that. 
I would have been perfectly happy to watch an hour of Captain America and the Howling Commandos busting up Nazis and save the Red Skull thing for the next movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. But you gotta you gotta get him into the uh you gotta get him into the modern day. Yeah, they that that was part of the, the thing going on here is they needed to tell this whole story because they want him to be in the Avengers. And you know, I, I liked how they handled it. I thought that the end of the movie was actually pretty cool, although you know, d- didn't they know when he went missing? Couldn't they have found a baseball game from from the next year? Come on, call the Hall of Fame. Yeah, come on, come on, Shield. You can do better than that. You can do better. Colson Colson wouldn't screw up like that. Plus, I mean, he's he's frozen in ice. It's like you can keep him frozen in ice for a couple of weeks to like get the details sorted out. Yeah. You know, yeah. you let him it's thaw like, gently. Yeah. yeah, and if you're going to, and if you're going to keep him in a special Hotemkin Village cell. Does it really have to be a block off Times, Times Square? Square? Yeah, yeah, with no locked doors. Yeah, that, <laughs> you know, that said, or that's a really minimal locked doors. That is a really cool scene. <laughs> yeah, where he runs out into modern Times Square, but but it's not practical, really. I think perhaps that scene should not have been in the commercials. Oh, hmm. was What's it? it? Yeah, there's a shot questions. where you see Captain America standing in modern day Times Square that they had in the TV commercial before the movie came out. Well, you get the framing story, too, right? Because it opens with them finding that ship. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then being like, oh, hey, someone's frozen in ice. <laughs> Someone with <laughs> a shield. shield with a, here, guys. With a star on it. No, well, no, we bet, no. Tony, weren't you and I betting, like, before the... We like, both, when, yeah. We thought they, was we, get, they were going to, like, wipe something away and there was going to be, like, a swastika. Gonna, yeah, there were, there were no swastikas. But, the there were no, there, so. but there were no Nazis. So, yeah. um... The the real Marvel tie-in here, I think, is the uh, the fact that, although it's never really gone into, is that it's Tony Stark's dad yeah, is the inventor yeah. of all these crazy gadgets for the uh, for the U.S. government, and the guy he's kind of a the guy who plays him is, like Tony is reminiscent of the Tony Stark character from the Iron Man movie. So, well, yeah, well yeah. sadly, Dominic Cooper, who I do like, you can't. It, is, having a British yeah. guy doing a Brooklyn accent just oh. very strange for half that yeah. movie. I did like the revelation that the whole Stark family is super fun to be around. <laughs> yeah. Party. Frequent. It's a party Frequently. with the Stark boys. Drinking, flying, you know, that kind of stuff. Inventing. Having weird subplots about fondue. <laughs> <laughs> that was bizarre. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I mean, I gotta say I also enjoyed um, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. I thought that, you know, she wasn't she wasn't a very, you know, she wasn't a totally flat, you know, heroine, right? She had some, I thought she had some depth Yeah, she was quirky, and they made her English, which I thought was fun, that she's an English, <laughs> Captain America likes an English girl. Like, Captain, I, how could you? What about our American girls? They're not good enough. Oh, well, it's I the like war, their com- they're allies. I like their complete refusal to explain that. One guy <laughs> in the movie even said, you're British, what's going on? She punches him. Yeah. Moving on. Anybody else who brings it up, I'm punching you too. You hear me, audience? Just shut up and watch the movie. So um, one of the things, as a parent, um, I uh, I was impressed with this movie because I, I feel like this is a, a superhero movie that I could easily show to my kids who are who are, are uh, 10 and 7. Um, you know, some superhero movies are... Um, violent in a, a way and scary in a way that I, I find kind of un, unpleasant or at least questionable for, for younger kids. And although this movie is a PG-13 and it does have a guy getting chopped up by a propeller. And he kills like 50 guys. <laughs> yeah, and they kill lots of guys. And yet I didn't – it didn't actually feel – you know, gory or or, well, or I mean, that's brutal, because they take right. It was they fantasy. take the Star Wars. They take the Star Wars cheat too, right? Which is every, you know, pretty much all the guys he kills are in like he that Hydra getup. Yeah. Well, they're in yeah. the Hydra getup, right? So you, the, they're not really people. They could be robots. They, you don't know. You don't know. And the guy and the guy who goes through the propeller, the the airplane propeller. Um, you know, he. It's like watching a mist come out of a vaporizer. You know, it's just <laughs> it's, very it's just a pink kind yeah. of mist. It's not like chunks of i mean i i found the scene in raiders of the lost ark is much more kind of disturbing with the, the well, splatter much of more blood, suggestive right, right? like yeah. it's it's you know that's that's left up to your imagination which is worse yeah yeah this is a cgi guy going through a cgi propeller and turning into you know cgi cgi mush see i thought it was odd that this is one of the few superheroes who just carries a gun around and actually shoots people with it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Him and the Phantom are the only movie superheroes I can think yeah. of who do that. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. He does for a guy carrying a gun. I mean, he finds a lot of excuses to punch people and slam them with a shield. And yeah, he just he know, does blow stuff up so that people get like you know 
knocked out and things like that. So there, there's, you know, there's a lot of shooting. He does other stuff, too. I'm not saying he's just Mr. Gun, but... But he does have the gun with him. Hey, I mean, the Rocketeer had a gun, too. I don't think yeah. he shoots anybody with it either, though. Yeah, so, so Dan, do you feel some, some of that Rocketeer vibe? I certainly oh, did. Absolutely. Especially with the... Oh, and totally. the girl, too. I was like, oh, Joe Johnston. He likes having that, that, uh, that romantic... Uh, romantic figure who looks because because i looked at her and i was like yeah she pushes a lot of the same buttons as jennifer Connolly does in the well, uh, and and they've got that same sort of dynamic where it's you know he's kind of a little bit bumbling despite being a right. superhero yeah she's um, got it over on him on that score right right and you know and that he's you know it's kind of accidental sort of you know he's becoming a superhero in some ways um but yeah no there's there's a lot there and i think you know johnson did as good a job you know capturing that the world of this, you know, the, of World War II, as he did with the the, the 30s in in the Rocketeer, um, and yeah, I, I don't know, it, d- it definitely did did tug some of the same chords there, um, and I think yeah, they're both really I really enjoyable movies, and I do love the Rocketeer dearly. Uh, so I have a, a one last uh, superhero question for you guys, which is, uh, we've just talked for nearly an hour about Green Lantern, Thor, Captain America, and the early days of professor x and magneto so i have to ask you um have they run out of comic book superhero stories to tell have have we are we scraping the bottom of the barrel now no the uh, expound okay uh <laughs> superman and batman stories have been going on since the 1940s they're not all good but even <laughs> if only one percent of them are good that's lots of stories to tell Marvel has been going on since the 1960s, and they, by 1965, had something like 10 separate titles all going at once. Even with an incredibly low hit rate, there's gotta be good stories you can tell about even jerks like Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> but hey, Edgar Wright was them. at some point going to do an Ant-Man movie, although I don't know <laughs> if that's happening anymore. And I, I, would, I would totally watch that. Well, it's a uh, comedy, I, I think. But I mean, but I think the question is, do people want to see those characters i mean uh, uh, people who read the comics and know about these characters is one thing but you know and, and iron man would be the argument for right which is iron man's yeah. second tier character and that was a great movie and very successful and but but green lantern would be the argument against if you make a good movie with entertaining characters people will be happy to go see them yeah. you can't just throw a hundred million dollars of cgi onto film and say well this guy starred in a comic book in 1973 my work is done here well i mean you know Case in point, Superman Returns, which, you know, arguably one of the most visible, you know, arguably the most famous superhero of all time, right? In a movie that was eh, not very good. Um, yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there's still time there. And of course, they're, they are doing a new Superman movie. Um, they've completely failed several times to do anything with Wonder Woman, um, who is a challenging, you know, a challenging figure, I think, in this, you know, day and age. Well, um, keep doing Batman then. I'm sure there's three or four more Batman movies. Well, people and, would I mean, enjoy. this is the other. This is the other thing too, right? Is like that they continually focus on redoing the origin stories, Ugh. like Ugh. time and time. So we're doing <laughs> Spider Man again, again, like next like, year, <laughs> you know. And it's like, except for Iron Man, which I actually like their redoing of the origin story. I never want to see another origin story. Like we I'm know who you. Superman is. We know who Batman is. Just right. go. Can we, can we just do an hour. interesting story about I, them? I kind of enjoyed that in The Incredible Hulk, which, you know, has a lot of issues that basically they did the origin story like over the credit sequence. And then they're like, now the movie can start. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I think that's something for it, you know, like introducing, you know, OK, if on the off chance you've never heard of this guy, let's let's, you know, sort of roll that out. But but let's focus the story on some other far more interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> the Ang Lee Hulk spent let's like not, an hour and a half <sighs> saying what was that green thing that just did something? We know what it was. It was the Hulk. Let's see him smash stuff or you're wasting my time. We're watching a Hulk movie dogs, called man. The Hulk. Hulk <laughs> dog. It's not even called the Hulk. It's called Hulk. 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 Thanks, Angley. Yeah. Not that you haven't made good movies, but that was not one of them. No. <laughs> um, so before we go, are there any other movies that you would like to make a case for uh, um, being – uh, close enough to this topic to bring up. I, I before we started recording, I heard some I heard some chatter about other movies that arguably could be comic book movies that that came out this year. I watched a movie entitled Priest 3D, although I did not watch it in all of the Ds that were available. Well, did it you you <laughs> you missed a D? You let, or did you yep. watch it in one D? I watched or it in two D. I chose height and width. Okay, good. 
I tried watching it just height and depth, but I couldn't <laughs> really see what was going on. Very confusing. And this movie is allegedly based on a comic book, so I'd like to share my two favorite things about this movie. All right. One, you need to be a trained priest to shoot the vampires. The <laughs> vampires don't move very quickly, but we are told they move in something called concentric points. <laughs> so unless you know about concentric points, wow. you can never shoot a vampire. Wait, wait. So do you need to be a priest or a geometrist? No, you need to be yes. a, a trained uh, geometrist to write the screenplay, I believe. And the other thing is there's a moment when Paul Bettany, whose character is called Priest, <laughs> he, he, he has to fight a stuff? giant CGI rhino-looking thing that's on a ledge above him. So he runs forward, and then the female priest throws some rocks in front of him. And as Paul Bettany leaps into the air, the first rock finds its way under his foot, and he steps on it like a stairway in midair and launches himself farther into the air and then steps on the next rock. And then I forget what happens, but I think he killed the rhino somehow. <laughs> and, and and correct me here. This is Paul Bettany. Um, this is not the movie with the angels who are trying to kill everybody. That's a different priest movie. That's Legion. Legion, yeah. But he's also, also a the, priest. Yes, it is also uh, not the Paul Bettany movie with the ship and or, or Russell Crowe. Or is he an angel? I don't know. I, Paul I didn't Bettany. see Legion. What are you, crazy? I've got standards. I watched it on Netflix streaming, and I don't, I don't remember. I, I believe he is an angel, and he has a machine gun. Um, <laughs> well, as you do, he's like a no, priest with a gun. He is, he's Michael. He is Michael. Ah, and he, he's, he's down on Earth to do good stuff before yeah. bad oh, angels oh, go. Oh, Paul Bettany, come on, M Mikey, with, Mikey to his friends. Mike, he's yeah. here to do Mikey the Archangel. He's here to do good with his machine gun. <laughs> well, he's going to kill the bad angels. Oh, okay, murderous angels. Yeah, yeah. I hate those jerks. They are, they are jerks. Okay, so priest. Skip it unless you want to see a guy walk on throne you can, pebbles. You can probably find that I'm scene sold. on YouTube, right? Are, are you a big fan of the trope of after the apocalypse, everybody dresses in Western gear and everything is kind of desaturated so it looks almost black and white? Y yeah, sign me up. Well, then good news. <laughs> they made a movie. Right. Excellent. <laughs> that is my favorite genre. <laughs> uh, Dan... What was your uh, selection? I was saying that, that, Cowboys, that and aliens? Cowboys, Cowboys and Aliens is technically based on a comic book, I yes. believe. Um, that, that movie was pretty good. It did have... It, it, I feel a little bad that my favorite scene in that movie involved um, um, the main character basically breaking someone else, you know, someone else's hand. Um, <laughs> but it was... But it, I, it made me laugh a lot. So... And, and that guy was kind of, you know, he had it coming. Um, there were aliens. There were cowboys. Check. On both fronts, all right. Delivered. They delivered. Harrison Ford and Daniel. Harrison Ford, uh, Indi Indiana Jones and James Bond were both in that movie. Any other uh, movies that we should uh, talk about? Conan the Barbarian is kind of based on a comic book, isn't it? Based on a novel that was also adapted into a comic book. You would like uh, to think that they read the books before <laughs> making the movie, but I'm pretty sure they read the comic books, or instead. or just watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I don't think they did that. <laughs> Or the uh, the animated series from when I was growing up, which actually is pretty huh. sweet. That would be like making a Godzilla movie and only watching the Godzilla cartoon from the 80s that had Godzuki, Godzilla's <laughs> precocious cousin. Oh. <laughs> I would watch that, yeah. Godzuki, yeah. the motion picture? I would. I would. Just, just once, though. Well, you have some standards. I wouldn't pay for it. You'd pirate it. Oh, no, it was, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I would, if, I would go on Netflix. I would wait for it to show up on Netflix. Uh, right. If somebody was showing it in front of your face, you wouldn't actively close your eyes. I wouldn't close my eyes. Yeah. Monty, yeah. did you see Conan? I did. I liked it a lot. Conan, I guess. It's not about uh, a talk show host. They go so. back and forth. Right. Some of them in the movie say Conan. Some say Conan. I think the name, the pronunciation Conan has taken over the cultural lead. When Conan O'Brien got the gig uh, doing Late Night, everybody called him Conan. And it's come that far that, that, that he is now the most recognized Conan. And the, the poor sword-carrying barbarian is, uh, is, uh, has, ha has had to change his pronunciation. Shameful. So, so Jason Momoa from Game of Thrones is, is Conan the Barbarian. Is he any good, or is he better as uh, Khal Drogo in Game of Thrones? It's interesting because the two characters, while basically the same big muscular dude that kills things. Well, that's his bit, right? Jason yeah, Momoa, like, uh, Stargate, he was also big muscular badass dude. 
They're not really the same thing, because Khal Drogo, I think, likes being a ruler. He likes just reclining on his pile of skulls and telling people <laughs> what to do. As you do, yes. But his horse. His horse. Right. Yeah. Riding his horse. But what Conan likes to do is just fight stuff. <laughs> even All right. He's, even he's before, a simpler soul. Even before it's Jason Momoa, he's killed like 20 guys. <laughs> In the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Conan spends some time as a slave chained to a big wheel. That doesn't happen to this Conan because he will kill anything that comes near him. <laughs> Which is a lot more he's, true to the he original t- tolerates story. tolerates no wheels. Yeah. He doesn't need to be chained to a wheel to turn into a big muscular guy. He does that by killing. And swearing revenge. Oh. An essential part of any medieval workout, I understand. What does he have to... What's his revenge? What's he he trying to avenge? Oh, the bad guys come and... The movie starts with a long, boring explanation about some magical uh, crown that got destroyed and scattered across the four winds. Hmm. And then the bad guy starts the movie with all but one piece, and then he gets the piece from Conan's village. Ah. So it doesn't even turn out to be the MacGuffin. But in the process of getting that, he kills Conan's mother and father. No, just Conan's father and everyone in the village. Ah. Conan, Conan's mother dies giving birth in the middle yes. of a battle, and she has his father cut the baby out of her belly so she can <laughs> see it before she dies. So she's his first victim. Yes. And he's wow. born covered in blood. Really just, you know, went up from there. Yeah. There's lots of gore in this movie. I would not take the seven-year-old and the ten-year-old. Okay, good tip. Good tip. Did you like it? I thought it was okay. Like, there's only so good a Conan movie is going to be, and I think this Conan movie did it. <laughs> it was up on the – hit the ceiling of, of movies that are about Conan. <laughs> yeah. It's got a giant mountain shaped like a skull. It's got Check. a muscular guy waving swords around. Check. It's got a weaselly little sidekick thief. Check. So it did everything it was supposed to. Monty, is is there a, I, I got, there's the one checkbox you didn't check, which is, is there a, is there a love interest for Conan? Oh, yes, there is. Oh, check. Thank you. <laughs> and she's a woman of some sort, as I remember. Is Does she, uh, does she take off her clothes at any point? Yes. All right. <laughs> the, you, then we have concluded wow. scientifically. Yeah. It's all. It all helps when you add it up scientifically by the numbers. This is as good as a Conan movie can be. I thought so. All right. I watched Conan more recently than the rest of these movies, so I, I have more to say. About I, it. I, I picked up on that. I was going to say your de- your your recollection of the details of Conan is striking compared to your recollection of Thor. Well, my main recollection of Thor is that I found it boring. Yeah. And it's hard to go into a lot of detail about me going. So there's that other scene eh. where it, which was dull. I liked when he went into the pet store and wanted to buy a horse. Thought that was funny. <laughs> that that is probably my favorite scene. What does Natalie Portman do in that movie? She's a scientist. She looks, she looks she, good. Yeah. Yeah. She stands I mean, around and looks pretty. Does she wear a lab coat? She falls in love with she's not that kind of scientist, the other kind. She falls in love with Thor. What more do you need from her? She sits on a lawn chair on the roof of what I think is a restaurant. She's what you might consider an action scientist. The other kind of scientist, <laughs> the kind that doesn't wear a lab coat, then. She's right. a field scientist. She well, drives they... around in a funny van. Yeah, in fields. Early in the movie, Agent Coulson's goons steal all their lab equipment, which I assume sure. included their lab coats. Oh, okay. So Agent Coulson was... does not want her wearing a lab coat. Probably would have stolen her top too if he'd gotten away. Yeah, thought he could yeah. get away with it on Nick Fury's orders. I'm guessing. Nick Fury, <laughs> he makes me so angry. So next next year we'll get that Avengers movie directed by Joss Whedon, and we'll see what Marvel <sighs> has been trying to lead us up to for the last four or five. <laughs> Nothing years. like a movie that you had to watch like seven other movies to to appreciate. Well, the problem also is that these superhero movies often have this tendency to just pack too much in, and yeah. the Avengers comes pre-packed with too much. <laughs> Unless, yeah. the, unless I mean, it's going to be first five of all, hours the Avengers long. is like five hours long, and it's really just set up for the Avengers two, <laughs> and Thor two, and Captain America two, and Iron Man three and a half, and all all of these are which have the subtitle Electric Boogaloo. Really, we're just building up to twenty twenties West Coast Avengers. Oh, <laughs> wasn't there a wasn't there like a Cleveland Avengers too? Uh, there was a de- <laughs> Great Lake Avengers. Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland needed its own Avengers. Great Lake Avengers. <laughs> I mean, that city is seemed- in worse shape than I thought. Yeah, there was an Avengers based on the Great Lakes, and there was a Justice League based in Detroit. What? Both of those things are true. Yeah, 
Well, I thought it was odd that the the Avengers are based in New York in the comic books, which is also where the Fantastic Four are based. It's where Spider-Man is based. It's where Doctor Strange is based. It's where Daredevil is They got a lot of crime. Oh, also, Marvel Comics and DC Comics. Why would you go there if you were a criminal? If That's you're a true. criminal in the Marvel Universe, I advise you to go to someplace other than New York. It's yeah, like not where you want to... Yeah. Wait. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to call it here. Time of death. Time of death. <laughs> one hour. Thank you all for watching these movies so I didn't have to, except for the Captain America one, which I saw and I enjoyed. Um, and I'm especially going to check out Priest, Monty, because I can't wait to see it in 2D. Priest in 3D in 2D. So I w- until next time, I would like to thank my guests. Dan Morin, thank you for being here and watching these many movies. Oh, you're welcome. Especially I would, Green I would do it again. I would do it again. All right. Tony, thanks for being here again, and thanks for being Dan's buddy so we didn't have to sit through Green Lantern alone. Anytime. I mean, but not Green Lantern. But not Green Lantern. No, no. Let's, <laughs> we have standards here. Green Lantern 2, man. It's coming. Oh. And Monty, thank you for seeing these movies, being on the podcast, and, um, and explaining the plot of Priest to me. <laughs> Glad I could help. I do it for a grateful America. Yes, and America thanks you. Until next time on The Incomparable, I am Jason Snell. Thanks for listening. Mm